Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing one of my all-time favorite topics from Chicken Soup's latest edition, My Very Good, Very Bad Dog. Good morning, Amy. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. So how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's really exciting to be talking about these dog stories today because they're so much fun. It was so much fun uh, reviewing the stories and preparing Uh for this interview because every story that I read, I said, oh, this one was my favorite. And then I'd read (laughs) the next one say, oh, that one was my favorite. They're all my favorites. They are so much fun. And who doesn't like reading about dogs, right? No question about it. It is extremely entertaining, and the stories are really wonderfully done. They're hilarious. It brought back a lot of old memories for me when I had a dog when I was growing up in Malaysia. So congratulations for that. Oh, yeah, and it brought back memories for me because I don't have my own dog right now, but I'm always yeah. ready to babysit for my grand dogs, of which I have three. Yeah. Um, but I grew up with dogs also, so I grew up you know, with a dog's face yeah. in my face and all of that. Yeah, each story just sort of engages me at a personal level. So I really enjoy that very much. And the book was wonderfully crafted as well. So we'll talk about that later. But what prompted Chicken Soup to decide to dedicate a book to dogs? We are very much dog people here at Chicken Soup for the Soul. (laughs) I mean, we we do make super premium dog food and cat food and Mm -hmm. have for many, many years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we are in that business. But it's way more than that for us. We're really passionate about dogs. We support shelters. We are huge advocates for adopting dogs from shelters and from rescue organizations or from your neighbor who's moving and doesn't want to take their dog. But we're really big about adoption. And we all just love dogs here. I mean, we have dogs come to the office. And our our writers love dogs. And so we Mm -hmm. get so many great stories about dogs and we publish stories about dogs in all our books. If you read our Christmas Mm -hmm. books or any of our books, you're going to find that they're filled with dog stories, but we get so many great dog stories that it makes sense for us to put out a dog book and a cat book around every year and a half or so Mm -hmm. because we'll have 5,000 dog stories submitted in that (laughs) time frame waiting for us to go through them and pick just 101 to go into our next dog book. Mm-hmm. We're already collecting for the one after this one, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even though these books, these dog and cat books have just come out. So mm-hmm. it's something we're passionate about. The other cool thing about it is that we use these books not just to entertain people, mm-hmm. but also to really promote adoption and also to help shelters. And so we let shelters buy the books from us at a special nonprofit price and then resell the books to raise money for their shelters. Or perhaps they'll have a sponsor come along and buy them our books at our nonprofit price and then they'll give a book to each new adoptive family. And we've had shelters use our books to basically clear the shelters. We had mm-hmm. a shelter in Las Vegas a year and a half ago that used our dog and cat books and Uh, gave them away to each adoptive family, and they adopted out something like 1,600 animals in six weeks, and they even adopted out every single cat there, including Mm -hmm. the hard-to-adopt ones like black cats or senior cats. Mm -hmm. So there's a mission behind our books, as well as them being just fabulously entertaining stories. That's fabulous. You guys partner with the American Humane Association, So tell us a little bit about that organization. American Humane is a really wonderful association, and it's run by a wonderful woman named Robin Gansert, who I have tremendous respect for. They are the people 
who not only help shelters and promote adoption and look out for animal welfare across the nation, but they also are the ones who are brought in to movies and television shows to make sure that no animals were harmed in the making of those shows. So when you see something at the end of a movie that says no animals were harmed, that's from American Humane Association, and movies want to get their you know, their stamp of approval. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the AHA has been around since 1877. So it's a very important organization for animal welfare, not just pets like dogs and cats, but also farm animals and, you know, all animals. Um, and so they they also have a show they put on every fall on the Hallmark Channel called the Hero Dog Awards where they 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 have different categories of dogs. This year we're going to be a sponsor, and we're sponsoring um, therapy dogs. And in fact, we have a whole chapter on therapy dogs in the book. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years ago we sponsored um, a, a seeing-eye dog uh, for um, for a guy who lost his sight in the armed services. And so we are very tied in with the AHA. And this is actually the second pair of dog and cat books where we – are giving royalties to the AHA. So mm-hmm. when you buy one of these dog or cat books, you're getting a great read. You're being caused to think about uh, the value of adopting from shelters or rescue organizations, and you are also helping the AHA financially. So it's a wonderful package that we have here. Robin wrote a wonderful forward for the book, so please share that with us as well. So Robin, of course, has multiple pets in her home, as well as a husband and children. She's got <laughs> dogs and cats, and she loves them, and I'm sure they're always trying to keep her from bringing home more. Um, and she talks in the forward to the book about how, you know, dogs are not only our best friends, and they're like miracles when they come into our families, and they're therapeutic, and sometimes they're goofy, and they make us laugh, and sometimes they're heroic, and they save our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've also just always been service animals to us. And so they're not just adorable, furry friends, but they really, they do real things. They mm-hmm. really do help the blind. They help people, you know, acting as seizure alert dogs. They help people with panic disorders. They, you know, pull children from burning buildings. They alert people to smoke in their walls that they weren't aware of, everything like that. So they really are like full-service friends, our dogs, right? They can do everything. And so she talks about that and how even when they're naughty, we just brag about it. And that's why we felt it was okay to call these books, you know, it says My Very Good, Very Bad Dog in the title. And (laughs) I know you never say to a dog, bad dog, you don't say that. But this is the loving thing where people will say, oh, my dog is so bad. You should have seen how he <laughs> ate the Thanksgiving turkey. You know, <laughs> So we're saying very bad dog in that loving way where when people say, you were a bad dog, the dog hears, I love you very much. <laughs> so she talks about that in her forward also. And then she provides some really wonderful tips about what you should look for if you're getting mm-hmm. a dog, the responsibilities you'll be undertaking um, and the responsibilities of, of having a dog, and you're signing up for, you know, 15 years mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. responsibilities, but also the wonderful benefits that that dog will bring into your family. What are some of those things that people need to consider before bringing and adopting a dog for their family? Your dog will shed. Your dog will track <laughs> in dirt. Your dog will drool, and you need to accept that. Um, you know, I she didn't say this, but I would say if you have a white dog, you start getting white clothing, white furniture. If you have a black dog, you get black furniture, right? You got to match the dog because they'll shed right. everywhere. She says, you know, you will need to pay some medical bills because you'll need to get your dog spayed or neutered. You'll probably need to get one of those implanted ID tags in your dog. You're going to need to take the dog to the vet. I mean, it is a responsibility. But on the other hand, she says you will have somebody waiting for you loyally every day with unconditional love. You know, somebody who will always want to snuggle up to you no matter what's going on in your life, right? <laughs> so it's it's all worth it. It really is. 
that unconditional love, that's it right there. And you're right. The dog doesn't really care. All he or she wants is your companionship. Yeah. And they are so intuitive, dogs. And this book is filled with stories about dogs being remarkably intuitive, just somehow sensing people's moods and knowing exactly how to respond. Like dogs that were never trained to be therapy dogs or service dogs, but intuitively know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really incredible how many people will report, you know, they adopted a dog from a shelter and all of a sudden the dog became a seizure alert dog with zero training. <laughs> so there they are with, you know, a free dog that they got from a shelter with zero training. And this dog is doing the same things that people pay, pay thousands of dollars, you know, for a highly trained mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. So what makes a person a perfect dog owner? I think you have to have a sense of humor and you can't be all bound up in, you know, rules and regulations. You need to accept mm-hmm. that there will be slobber, there will be dirt, there will be hair. There will be a dog on the furniture. Mm-hmm. I love the stories we get in the book from people who started out. The dog wasn't allowed on any furniture at all. Mm-hmm. My husband prohibited it. Then well, <laughs> then we decided it was okay if the dog went on the outdoor furniture because after all that was outdoors. And then we decided, well, it's okay if he goes on just one chair because that one chair will be his chair. Well, then it was kind of nice on that cold night when he got on the couch, so I didn't kick him off because he was warm. And then the next thing you know, the dog's in the bed permanently. You know, And so I love stories like that. You have to be adaptable. And Mm -hmm. every time you break a rule and develop an even closer relationship with your dog, the benefits will be even more. So Mm -hmm. I think that you definitely have to be an adaptable person with a great sense of humor. You guys have some wonderful chapters for the book, and I thought it was appropriately titled. Please share that with us. Oh, yeah. It's really fun to make the chapters. I usually pick out the 101 stories that will go in the book, and then I print them all out, and I'm sitting there with a stack of 101 stories, and then I start sorting them out on a big conference table and making the chapters. So in this case, since we call it My Very Good, Very Bad Dog, I thought we should feature the attributes of dogs. So we have a chapter called My Goofy Dog. We have a chapter called My Miraculous Dog, and that's about when the dogs do these awesome, surprising things to help people. We have My Therapeutic Dog, a whole chapter of stories about We have My Naughty But Nice Dog, and that's the chapter where people talk about (laughs) the really bad things that their dogs do, but in such a loving way that you know they're secretly proud of all of those nefarious Mm -hmm. deeds. Then we have a chapter called My Heroic Dog. We have a chapter called My Inspiring Dog, and a lot of these stories are, you know, dogs that came to them burned or sick or having been so neglected, and then the dog, like shows resilience and persistence and determination and comes through. And when you see a dog doing that, you're so inspired as a human to realize that you can be the same way. You know, you want your dog becomes your role model. We have another chapter called My Clever Dog about these amazing, intuitive, intelligent things that dogs do. And then we have a chapter, chapter called My Protective Dog, um, another about my working dog. And these are dogs that really do work for a living. They're mm-hmm. service dogs, they're guide dogs, they're, um, they volunteer in old age homes, whatever. Then we have a final chapter called My Intuitive Dog, where we really do have awesome stories about dogs having this remarkable ability to go inside our brains and figure out what we're thinking and what we need, even before we know that we need it. I love the chapters in the book because it highlights wonderful, intelligent stories about dogs and how they work very well with other animals as well as humans, and especially when you talk about service dogs in the various stories. And I love about the inspiring dog stories. I thought they were really, really great, and we'll get into that later. The book is so interesting in the sense that it gave me things to think about looking back at my dog years ago and seeing the things that he did course at that time you don't think about the intelligence at least for me anyway but now looking back when i'm older i said wow 
that's pretty interesting what Pele did. <laughs> yeah, you don't think about it when you're a kid. You're so busy yeah. with your life as a kid. But it's yeah. true. This gives you some perspective on all the dogs that you've known. And the other thing we do is it's not just 101 great stories, but we also we put in some wonderful cartoons Mm-hmm. And the cartoons are so funny, and they really they I think that any dog lover will get a kick out of these funny cartoons that we have sprinkled throughout the book. And then the other thing that we did, just to add even more depth to the book, is mm-hmm. that we went and got really compelling photos from our own Chicken Soup for the Soul employees of the <laughs> adopted dogs that they have. So these are all dogs that were rescued and were adopted from shelters or from rescue organizations. These are all Mm -hmm. dogs that didn't have a proper home and were brought into the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. So you'll see 10 photos of these dogs, um, including two of my three grand dogs, because one of my Mm -hmm. grand dogs Mm -hmm. was purchased from a reputable breeder. And a reputable breeder is somebody who basically is breeding their pet, you know, their family dog. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that pregnant dog is living in the house with them. And those those puppies are born in the house and live in the kitchen with them and are socialized from an early age with people. That's a reputable breeder. So we have one grand dog from a reputable breeder and then two grand dogs that were adopted from shelters, both of them in very bad shape when they were adopted and now mm-hmm. healthy and happy. <laughs> My favorite cartoon that you have in the book, there are actually several of them, but the one that's really, really cool is on page 249 where he's a lot calmer when I leave the house now that he can follow me and the dog has an app. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a funny one. I love that cartoonist. That was really cute. The dog's there following him on social media. Yeah, that is very, very cute. Well, some dogs do have separation anxiety, so it was a cute mm-hmm. way for our cartoon to refer to that. Yeah, so I thought it was really fun. And they have so many hilarious cartoons in there, and I thought that was just a wonderful, wonderful addition to the stories. It's just great. And I love the front cover of the book. I mean, you guys did fantastic in getting that front cover. Yeah, that is because the dog is looking up like, okay, I know I did something bad and I know you're going to do something to me, but it was kind of worth it anyway. But go ahead, give me my punishment because I know it will only last a few minutes and then everything will be fine again. You can see all of that thought process going through this dog's face, looking at his eyes, looking up, waiting for his punishment. Yeah. It's beautiful. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading this delightful book? I think that if they have dogs, they will gain a renewed appreciation for their dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they will look at their dogs with a fresh eye. Like, yeah, you are smart. You are intuitive. Oh, that thing you do. I hadn't really thought about how cool it is that you do that. You're you're an awesome dog. And so... I think people will come away from reading the book feeling that way. It's also a great way to convince somebody to get a dog. Let's say (laughs) you want a dog, but your spouse doesn't. I think if you get somebody to read this book, they're going to want to go to the local shelter and adopt a dog. And that's another thing I'd like readers to gain from reading the book, which is I'd like them to think first Mm -hmm. about adopting a dog that needs to be rescued before they go and buy one somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think all of those things are important. I think that the book really helps us to feel, I, I don't want to say our shared humanity, because humanity really yeah. refers to people, but it makes us feel more one with all the yeah. dogs out there. It makes us feel more like we're sharing this earth together, and it's a it's a team effort between humans mm-hmm. and dogs. Mm-hmm. So true. As usual, I've selected several stories from the book. They are all wonderful stories. And the very first chapter itself, My Goofy Dog. And this is just a wonderful story. The Great Table Caper by Anne Denise Carson. Okay. I I still (laughs) laugh every time I read this story. And that's why I put it first in the book, because I thought it was just hysterical. I could see this happening in a movie. It would be great in a movie. So Anne went for coffee one day, and she tied 
her two dogs, her large dogs, a golden retriever and a Doberman, to a metal table outside the coffee shop. You know, those tables Mm -hmm. sitting in those patios outside. She went in to get her coffee, and she all of a sudden heard a commotion, and somebody said, are those your dogs? And she ran outside, and the dogs were gone along with the table that they had been tied to. (laughs) So uh, Tyler, the golden retriever, somehow had pulled on the table and then somehow decided the table was chasing him. So he (laughs) ran off in fear, and as he ran, dragging the table behind him, he thought the table was chasing him, and so he kept running and running because every time he looked behind him, the table was still chasing him. (laughs) Meanwhile, Zoe, the Doberman, knew this was ridiculous, and so she was being dragged along, though, because her leash was tied to the table Mm -hmm, also. mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what Anne saw when she went outside was her dogs already a block away with Tyler in the lead running, followed by the table that was chasing him, followed by Zoe, who was looking around at Anne with an expression on her face that said, like, Mommy, he's crazy. Please stop him. (laughs) But meanwhile, Tyler was looking around, and his eyes said, Mom, I can't stop. There's a table chasing me. (laughs) So Anne starts running after the dogs and the table. Meanwhile, the table is careening back and forth, just missing, hitting cars, (laughs) And she's thinking, oh, my gosh, how many cars am I going to have to repair from this table? (laughs) Then the dogs cross a grassy median with the table still chasing the golden retriever, the Doberman still being pulled along by her crazy brother. And finally, after a few blocks of this, a man jumps out of a Michael's craft store. It was an employee who was standing outside. He sees the dogs. He sees Anne chasing them. And he does a double take, and he starts off after the dogs, and he manages to stop them. So then Anne, she's running. She says she's a woman of a certain age and not accustomed to running. She finally (laughs) meets them. She's huffing and puffing. The dogs have stopped. The table has stopped chasing the golden retriever. And then she's saying, well, how am I going to get my two dogs and this table back to the restaurant to return the table to the patio, where, by the way, the dogs had also knocked down all of those, you know, like the black strapping mm-hmm. and the the metal poles around the patio. So this nice guy from Michael's Craft Store put the table on his shoulders and marched back up to the cafe four blocks away, returned the table, <laughs> put everything back in place, and went home with the dogs, made her savior an apple pie and took it to the store and delivered it to him to say thank you. But it was so funny. I could just imagine this dog running with this table chasing him. That's goofy. No question about that. Yeah. This is a great story to start off the entire book. So you did a terrific job with that. I, I'm I'm thankful to that goofy dog for thinking the table was chasing him, so we all get to enjoy that story. <laughs> the second story, it is from the same chapter as well. I chose two stories in this chapter because it's really funny. Hungry Like a Wolf by Tina Cohen. Okay, so Tina um, and her husband were um, fasting for Yom Kippur, Um, And, you know, you have to start your fast at sundown one night, and then you can't resume eating until sunset uh, the next day. And so her husband, Tina's husband, Michael, you know, was raring to go, couldn't wait to eat, and wanted to eat at 5 o'clock. That was his tradition, that even if the sun wasn't down, the sun was down somewhere, he was breaking his fast at 5 (laughs) p.m. So Tina went out, and she came home and found her husband, um, scarfing down the leftovers from the refrigerator, chopped liver, brisket, noodle pudding, all of the traditional Yom Kippur foods were sitting in the refrigerator. And Tina had been out walking the dog, and she comes home, and the dog starts sniffing and sniffing and sniffing at this plastic container of chopped chicken liver that her husband has been spreading on crackers and ravenously eating. And... Tina looks closer, and she realizes that her husband, Michael, has been eating dog food, spreading it on crackers and thinking it was chopped chicken liver as he broke his Yom Kippur fast. So then she didn't know what to do. Should she tell him that he had been eating dog food? 
should she call everybody in the family and laugh about her husband? Um, so she decided that she would give her dog slugger the rest of his dog food that her husband hadn't spread on crackers yet. And then she got on her cell phone and started calling everybody in the family to tell them what her husband did. But I just thought that was so funny. And yeah, chopped chicken liver could look like dog food. <laughs> These days, the dog food are probably as good, if not better, than some of the food that's served to humans. <laughs> you know, we're we're getting into the dog treat business, and um, uh-huh. you know, because we make dog food, and we're getting yeah. into treats too. And yeah. we were eating a bunch of um, dog biscuits around here mm-hmm. that looked like cookies, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they just tasted like plain cookies. They were good. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never tried it, but I imagine it is. I mean, well, the advertising certainly claims, like, we use whole meat. We use this. We use that. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> That's not a bad we've idea. Had, you no, we've had stories in our other books, like books where people were talking about getting in shape, where their doctors would tell them they huh? were eating worse food than their than their animals. Oh. And, you know, it's so like, yeah. now they tell them to stay with their human food, but start eating better human food because they weren't eating as well as their animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine if you want a high protein diet, <laughs> eat dog food. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next chapter, My Miraculous Dog, Making a Family by Val Muller. And this is a wonderful tender story. This was a great story because Val makes the point that even though parents sometimes say, oh, you kids won't be responsible enough, we're not getting a dog, that in the case of her family at least, the dog made the teenage kids way more responsible than they would have been without a dog. So the father had always said that they weren't going to get a dog, and then they got a dog anyway, eventually. And um Val was 13 years old, and she said this little puppy came into their lives. And she said immediately she started focusing on taking care of the dog. So while her friends were flirting online or, you know, experimenting with sniffing Mm -hmm. permanent markers or other stupid things that kids do, she was outside playing with the puppy. And she said instead of being a self-absorbed teenager, she had someone else to look out for, the puppy. And she found that she wanted to be responsible because she wanted to care for the puppy. And the puppy taught her a lot about actions and consequences, and she really feels it made her a better teenager, and she learned lessons that would stay with her, you know, into being an adult. And she also said that the puppy helped her younger sister, who didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And in training the puppy, the sister gained self-confidence, and so... She entered her teenage years much more confident than she would have been. And then Val goes on to say that her mom had someone to talk to because no one paid attention to her when she wanted to talk. Mm -hmm. And she would talk and the dog would cock its head from side to side (laughs) and listen. And guess who came around eventually to? Dad. The dad who hadn't wanted the dog. He was The dad was shoveling a path through the snow so that the dog Mm -hmm. could go do his business at his favorite tree in the backyard. And What Val ends up saying is that this dog brought out the best in her family Mm -hmm. and brought out the humanity in her family. It taught them responsibility, confidence, companionship, love, creativity, and togetherness. And it made her family much closer and really made her and her sister much better young adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what I like about the story is that the fact that the dog now make everyone realize that it's not about them anymore, it's about someone else. And in this case, of course, it's about the dog. The dog do need the owners to be responsible in taking care. Yeah, and teenagers can be very self-absorbed. And so what a wonderful way to have a teenager not just think about himself or herself. It it -hmm. really is a wonderful idea to bring a dog into a family where you have teenagers, and to get the teenagers out of that little bubble of themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. The next chapter is My Therapeutic Dog, Watchful Devotion by Chris Kinney. So Chris was a college student, so a little bit older, um, but still a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. And she she was 
in college, but she started having panic attacks. And so she left college and she ended up realizing that this dog was just naturally a therapy dog. Um, The dog would be able to sense when Chris was about to have a panic attack and the dog knew how to calm her, how to push himself against her and and slow her breathing. And she also realized that if she had a panic attack, she was going to alarm the dogs. And so Chris learned how to moderate her own behavior. So she tried to moderate her behavior and be calmer and less stressed and more mindful of what would precipitate a panic attack so that she wouldn't stress out her dog. And her dog, in turn, recognized the the early symptoms of a panic attack even earlier than Chris knew they were happening and worked mm-hmm. with Chris to calm her. And so after some time with this dog, she was actually able to go back to school. Um, and it just completely changed her life. And this dog was just a puppy and had no official training at all and just naturally knew exactly how to help somebody improve their mental health. The story, it's such a wonderful touch to the entire book because this is the exact thing I was talking about in terms of dogs having the extrasensory perception about things and they can feel. You have so many other wonderful stories, but I thought this one was just perfect. And the two things that was done by this dog sort of put Chris in the situation where she has to act responsible, so she's controlling herself or be watchful of herself rather than letting herself go in terms of like, okay, I need to watch myself and not going into this attack, basically, because I don't want to upset the dog. And so it works like a two-way street, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's true. She does Mm -hmm. say that. The dog helped her, but then in her desire not to stress out the dog, she also learned to moderate her behavior. So it was really wonderful. The dog completely transformed her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful story. The next chapter is My Naughty But Nice Dog. This is funny. Midnight Thief by Marie Elizabeth Best. (laughs) I felt a little bad, though, because, okay, so here's what Marie tells us, that she had three dogs, and only one of them was big enough to reach the kitchen counter, and that was Mason, (laughs) their yellow Labrador retriever. So one night um, they had a leftover cake, and she stuck it on the counter, and it was gone the next morning. And so, of course, Mason, the the only dog that was big, was blamed for it and put outside and didn't get his treat that day. And the next day, they had a leftover apple crisp, so they stuck it in the refrigerator. But there was a potato chip bag that they stuck way at the back of the counter. And the next day, the potato chip bag had been (laughs) emptied and was lying on the floor. So the lab got scolded again, put out in the yard again, didn't get his treat again. And then the next day, they had a box of pastries, you know, one of those white cardboard bakery boxes, stuck those in a plastic bag, pushed them to the back of the counter. And then that night, um, Marie was up and heard, like, toenails out on the hardwood floor, (laughs) so crept out and sneaked to get a view of the kitchen and discovered that the thief was not the yellow lab. <laughs> it was their very low to the ground, very overweight, huffing and puffing basset hound. <laughs> and you know how crazy they are about food. And this basset hound had managed to climb up onto a chair and then climb from there onto the counter. And it was pretty clear it had been, it had been the basset hound every night stealing <laughs> the food. Well, they felt terrible. And they rewarded Mason with apologies and treats and all kinds of love, which he was very happy to accept. But I still feel a little bad for the dog getting yelled at when he hadn't done it. (laughs) See, gentle giant, you know, and like they say, you never can trust the little tiny, little bitty dogs. (laughs) (laughs) The next chapter, this is really cool, My Heroic Dog, Because of Casey by Emily Huseman. This chapter is filled with stories of dogs that save people's lives. And in this particular story, which was written by um, a young lady, her grandparents were saved by their dog. Her grandparents got a Prius, and, you know, it was very, very quiet. 
And so when they brought it home for the first time, her grandfather didn't turn it off in the garage. He just left it running. And I know that's happened to other people, too. Mm -hmm. Those cars are so quiet. And then if you've never had one of those keyless cars before, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. think about, oh, you're not turning the key in the ignition. So you forget. You put the car in park and you forget to actually turn it off. So they they got their new car. It was sitting in the garage all evening. Their golden retriever was acting weird, whining and complaining and <laughs> kept trying to go out through the garage, even though the dog always went out through the front door. And the dog just wouldn't stop for hours and hours and hours. And finally, as they were crawling into bed, the dog just became hysterical, barking. And so they finally followed the dog who led them down to the garage door. They opened the garage door and realized that the car was on and had been on in their closed garage for hours. Mm-hmm. And so they you know, quickly opened the garage door, opened the windows to get the carbon monoxide out, um, and the dog had really saved them. Yeah, yeah. This is the instinct that dogs have that's just unique that I thought, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful story. You know, because the dog could smell it. And, yes, we know that dogs have a better sense of smell. But then the dog also had the instinct to do something about it and then knew how Mm -hmm. to warn people and make them listen and not give up. Right. So that's what was so great about that dog. The dog finally forced them to pay attention. So true. We're coming to one of my favorite chapters, My Inspiring Dog. And the story is Golden Oldies by Peggy Frizon. I think Peggy Frieson is one of our human heroes in this book. <laughs> I think she deserves such accolades for what she does. So here's what Peggy what here's what Peggy does and this came about because her husband wanted to adopt a dog that he saw at a shelter. But it was an 11-year-old dog, a very unhealthy, abandoned, mistreated, large golden retriever. Um, He had so many health issues, and the poor thing had been through a horrible time. And this dog just reached out to Peggy's husband, and she said, I don't want this dog. He's 11. He's going to die. Like, I can't stand the heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And her husband convinced her that they should take the dog. And then they took the dog, and the dog turned out to be lovely and, you know, accepted their devotion and they and you know came around pretty quickly. He had been through such hard times, but once he knew he could trust them, he became a loving, grateful dog. Unfortunately, they only had him for a year because then he died from cancer. But then they realized, well, they had given him such a nice ending to his life, and didn't every mm-hmm. dog deserve to have a good ending and not yeah. be left in a shelter to die alone? And so they started adopting other end-of-life dogs and giving them those final years in a loving home. So that's what Peggy and her husband do now. They adopt one senior dog after another, even knowing they're going to have to live through that heartbreak quickly, you know, over and over Mm -hmm. again. They Mm -hmm. do it because somebody needs to do it. And so I think she really is the hero of our book. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful, heartwarming story. No question about that. And the next story in this chapter that I love so much as well is The Crate Escape by Caitlin Brown. So I thought this was a fun story to include because yeah. and even it's really about a little girl instead of about dogs, but I thought dog lovers would want to read this story because mm-hmm. it's about a little girl who wanted to raise money for horse riding lessons and so she started a dog boarding business, you know, for people who were mm-hmm. going on vacation, and she would board the dogs for her neighbors, and she it ended up turning into a dog walking and training business as well. And this girl who started out at age 10 now has this very successful business, boarding dogs, training dogs, walking dogs. She'll be seen in the neighborhood, you know, on her rollerblades, walking like several dogs at the same time, letting them pull her along. You know, she does that with the dogs that need to run, and she'll go out with the rollerblades so that they can run, and then she'll walk the dogs that are slower and just want to saunter around the neighborhood. And now she 
just is famous, and all the dogs in the neighborhood keep trying to come to their house because they have such a good time when they're boarded there that they <laughs> want to come back all the time. So I thought it was great. It it um it was a really nice business for this girl, and she's really a natural at it. So and there's even some tips in there about how to train dogs because people will bring their dogs to be boarded, and she'll mm-hmm. give the dogs back much better behaved than they were left and. The story includes some tips about how she accomplishes that better behavior from these dogs. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, heartwarming story. Like you were talking about, I think dog lovers love this story. I certainly love the story because it really shows how the dogs can change someone's life in a way. Yeah. I mean, she was raising money for horseback riding lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it turned into a real dog business. She was just a natural. She's like a dog whisperer, this girl. Yeah. The next chapter, My Clever Dog, Don't Ever Do That Again by Molly O'Connor. So this was a dog that didn't get to board um, <laughs> with Caitlin's sister. This is a dog that boarded somewhere else in a cage and was very unhappy about it. And Molly had traveled all over Canada and the United States with her dog sitting in the back seat. They always hit the road together. They were road buddies. But one time she was going to visit her daughter, and her daughter's husband was seriously allergic to dogs, and so she couldn't bring her dog. So for the first time ever, she put her dog in a kennel. And when she went back to pick up the dog, the dog ignored her. The dog Mm -hmm. pretended she wasn't there. The dog basically was snubbing her. And this went on for hours. The dog wouldn't look at her. The dog wouldn't go near her. The dog wouldn't kiss her face. The dog didn't want to be petted. (laughs) The dog didn't want to hang out. And after many hours of punishment, Molly, you know, apologized profusely, begged the dog for forgiveness, (laughs) told her she would never, ever do it again. And then finally the dog relented and licked her face, and they were friends again. And Molly has never, never put her dog in a kennel again. So you got to know your own dog. <laughs> I chose that story because it reminded me of Pele, our family dog in Malaysia. And I remember going out with my mom shopping. We would leave the dog actually in the front yard. He would howl and all that kind of stuff, get so upset because he was left behind because he thinks he's a member of the family. <laughs> and of right, course he exactly. Is. <laughs> yeah, he and, was supposed to be there supervising you. That's right, that's right. And when we get home, and he will snub my mom. <laughs> okay, and, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really funny. He just brought back some wonderful memories. <laughs> the next chapter is My Protective Dog, A Furry Affair by Jean Get Pelo. So we had a number of stories uh, that we put in this book about dogs befriending cats or other animals because animals like to have pets. I mean, humans are animals and we like to have pets and dogs like to have pets and cats like to have pets and horses like to have pets. I mean, animals like to have their own pets. So this was a startling story about a golden retriever, and for some reason we're talking a lot about golden retrievers today, but I, know. I can assure you that the book <laughs> is filled with with all different breeds. There are 101 stories, and we just keep somehow Blame talking about golden. Blame it on me. I love golden retrievers. That's oh, what it is. that's Blame it. it okay, you're, you're the culprit. <laughs> so anyway, this golden retriever um, confronted with a little brown rabbit that um, the husband in the family had found, the golden retriever, instead of trying to hunt the rabbit, befriends the rabbit. And the rabbit and the golden retriever become great friends. The rabbit's out in the yard, the golden retriever's inside, but they play out in the yard. Then the rabbit gets the hang of the dog door and watches the dog going in and out through that little plastic swinging door. And all of a sudden, the rabbit's coming into the house through the swinging door. So they train the rabbit to use a litter box just like a cat and before you know it the rabbit is an indoor pet and is sleeping in the living room while the dog is upstairs sleeping in the bedroom with his parents and then before you know it the rabbit is hopping up the stairs and now the dog and the rabbit sleep together in the bedroom with the parents (laughs) and 
the dog and the rabbit are together all the time. It's really funny. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. It exemplifies the fact that, I guess, you know, you look through the lens of love. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, it is true that animals really do like having pets, mm-hmm. and they are very capable of forming you know, yeah. interspecies friendships just the way we do with cats and dogs and horses. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. The next story is in the chapter of My Working Dog, and this is really cool. And it's funny. Mitzi's Tilted Halo by Carol Chipdo Fleischman. So Carol Fleischman is blind, and Misty is a seeing-eye dog for her, although I guess the official term is guide dog. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't realize that till we made this book. I think Seeing Eye Dog is a trademark name. So mm-hmm. Misty is a guide dog, and Misty is a very good dog. And Carol actually talks about the fact that in training Misty and keeping Misty you know, on the straight and narrow, being a good guide dog, she's learned a lot about using praise as a way of managing somebody's behavior. And, mm-hmm. of course, there are gentle corrections when Misty misbehaves. But Carol says, I wish I had gotten my guide dog before I raised my kids. I would have used praise (laughs) and consistency more. So anyway, she says, Misty is a very good dog, um, but she is still a dog. And one day when they were um, at the mall, Misty was very, very effectively leading her through a big store and keeping her safe. And she was, you know, very proud of Misty. And they got through the store, and then they were exiting the mall, and all of a sudden, Carol realized, oh, my gosh, I haven't said good girl to Misty for a while. Um, I have to do that, because Carol's already told us in her story how she makes sure that she uses praise a lot to offset those few times when she has to correct some misbehavior. So Carol leans over to pat Misty and tell her she's a good dog, and what does she encounter but a hard rubber ball in Misty's mouth? And Misty didn't have a hard rubber ball, and she realizes that Misty has shoplifted. And so they (laughs) go back into the store, they fess up, she pays for the ball, and that becomes Misty's Christmas present. (laughs) It's a beautiful story, and dogs are dogs, basically. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah, and you put balls down at the level of a dog's head, I mean, things are going to (laughs) happen. The final chapter, I thought it was really, really great, and I'm so glad you did this chapter, My Intuitive Dog, The Strength of Two by Heidi Fitzgerald. So Heidi is a professional dog care provider, and she uh, goes to people's homes and takes their dogs out for walks. You know, So she has a key to their house. Mm-hmm. She goes in, she gets the dog, she takes her for a walk, she goes back, she writes a note to the parents about what their dog did that day. And um, she always got along well with her dogs, knew her dogs very well, and she was walking a particular dog named Harper. And Harper loved to chase squirrels, um, would get a little squirrely on the leash because he always wanted to go and chase animals. And so they had a strategy of using peanut butter treats that Heidi kept in her pocket to keep Harper, you know, on the straight and narrow by her side, not constantly running and jerking her along on the leash. And one day, Heidi went through a horrible breakup and went to walk Harper right after the breakup occurred. And so she was very upset, and Harper immediately sensed it. Heidi wasn't crying or anything, but she was subdued. You know, her energy level was low. And so Harper looked at her and looked concerned immediately and didn't chase squirrels, walked sedately by her side, didn't try to go for the peanut butter treats in her pocket, but was just remarkably well-behaved and respectful of her grief. And at the end of the day, he pushed himself up against her, you know, and like pressed his head against her and looked at her soulfully like he was giving her a big, it's going to be okay, bear hug. And it was just so sweet that this Mm -hmm. dog came through for her and was so in tune with her feelings. That shows how much a dog can get connected with us. Yeah, exactly. That That is the case. Um, they 
And this was only the dog walker who the dog saw, you know, three times a week. But dogs are really intuitive, and they want to help us. They are selfless. They want to reach out and help humans. It's just part of their DNA to be helpful to us. And so it's a really special attribute of dogs and one that I think we really highlight in these 101 stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, my very good, very bad dog. Sorry about that. Yeah, Amy. I didn't know I didn't where think... you went. No, I just got disconnected and got connected back again. <laughs> oh, I was here all along waiting for you like a very good dog. Okay. <laughs> I should have just kept talking to our listeners. It was really funny because, you know, like you ended at where you need to end. And, you know, it's like, okay, so I'm making all this comment. I was talking and all that kind of stuff, and I didn't hear anything from you. <laughs> yeah, I and heard then, absolute like, silence. So, so I should have kept going. Well, I know the next question you were going to ask me, because you always ask me this question at this point, is you were going to ask me about some of my favorite stories. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to tell you a story that I actually told um, in the podcast. Actually, my podcast, I started a new podcast series, and this is going to be the story Thursday in my podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and the story is about a woman who... Uh, is in a wheelchair, and she's always had pit bulls, but the last pit bull died, and she and her husband decided they weren't going to get any more pit bulls. They're kind of big dogs. And then her neighbor came to her one day, and her neighbor knew that, you know, this this woman knew all about pit bulls, and her neighbor had found a 10-day-old pit bull puppy in a dumpster. It was so sad, so just so tragic that someone threw away this puppy in a dumpster and the puppy was the size of a can of soda and so this woman um, took this dog in and her husband of course sprang right into action as well because how could you not save this little dog well it turned out that this little pit bull puppy with no training knew exactly how to become Catherine's next service dog and this became her service dog um, who knew how to pull her wheelchair for her, who knew how to pick things up off the floor for her and bring them to her, who knew how to pull her out of a car when she was in a car accident and then sat on the gurney in the mm-hmm. hospital as she was wheeled into the emergency room. So Catherine got this perfect service dog from a dumpster for mm-hmm. free. She saved this dog's life, but this dog, you know, gave back a hundred times over what she did for the dog. It's a great example of why saving abandoned dogs can work out so well and how awesome these dogs can be. So that's one of my very favorite stories from the book as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you have a personal dog story that you would like to share? Well, I love these um, shelter dogs that my daughter mm-hmm. and her fiancé have. So my daughter adopted a um, a pug from a shelter a few years ago. And, you know, a purebred pug is going to cost you thousands of dollars. And this was a young <laughs> pug. But here, here was the problem with this pug. She's pretty defective. She seems to have had some congenital birth defects. So one side of her face is mushed in. Mm. One of her eyes is just a little tiny blind blue eye and then on the other side she has the normal big brown pug eye Mm -hmm. she doesn't have teeth on her in her lower jaw on that side of her mouth her tongue hangs out all the side the time from that side where there's no teeth Mm -hmm. her ear appears to be deaf on that side so you have this half blind half deaf dog with the tongue always hanging out um with the mushed in face oh and the dog had just had a litter of puppies And so, I mean, it it might have been a puppy mill dog. And so my daughter adopted this dog, and she was probably about two years old when she was adopted. Well, she was perfectly house-trained. She's perfectly behaved. And she's the best-behaved dog I've ever seen. And she was just straight out of a shelter where nobody wanted her. So I just, it's such a great example of what you can get from a shelter. I mean, this this is an amazing dog. I'm very excited because I'm going to be, you know, I get to babysit this dog once in a while. Um, And so that's really great. And then another shelter dog that 
my daughter and her fiance got was an, an Australian cattle dog that they got. Oh, about, that's cute. Yeah, about nine months ago, and the dog weighed 80 pounds, and it was supposed to weigh 40 pounds. <laughs> this dog had been so mishandled. I don't know yes. what this dog had been eating, but this dog it was a young dog, huffing yeah. and puffing, barely able to walk. Well, now this dog lives in the mountains in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. has lost 40 pounds, runs for miles in the mountains, is happy and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just shows you what you can do, how you can turn around the life of a dog from a shelter and how amazing that dog can turn out to be. That's fantastic. So what's new and exciting at Chicken Soup? Well, we're very excited about these two new dog and cat books. Oh, and I forgot to tell you something really cool. They've okay. only been out a couple of weeks, and um, right. in the first week that they were on sale, and they weren't even on sale for a whole seven-day week, mm-hmm. this um, service, Nielsen BookScan, which tracks retail sales of books, mm-hmm. um, it turns out that our dog and cat books are number one and number two on the pet bestseller list. Congratulations. So we're very excited about that. Yeah, yeah it's really nice to work hard on these books know that they're great books, and then get that kind of recognition in the marketplace. I'm very happy that people are taking these books home with them. Um, I'm excited about the fact that we are actually sending a letter out to 500 shelters today. These are Mm -hmm. a list of shelters that the American Humane Association gave us, and we are offering the shelters the chance to buy these books at our nonprofit price Mm -hmm. and use them for clear the shelter programs so that people can go home with a dog or a cat in one of these books because we know how effective that is in bringing people into the shelters to look at the animals and fall in love with them. And then another thing that's really exciting that's going on at Chicken Soup for the Soul right now is our our national anti-bullying program that's rolling out mm-hmm. in schools across mm-hmm. the country and it's being Fantastic. very warmly received. And then one more exciting thing, and this is a personal thing for me, is that I have a brand-new podcast series. It's five days a week, Monday through Friday. Monday and Monday through Thursday, it's about mm-hmm. a six-minute podcast, and mm-hmm. Fridays, it's about 15 minutes. It just started on Monday, February mm-hmm. 22nd. It's called the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, so I hope people will go and listen to it. Fantastic. And how can they get to the this channel? So you can go to um, wherever you get your podcasts anyway. If you have an iPhone, On there's iTunes, a podcast yeah. button, mm-hmm. and that will you could just you do a search for Chicken Soup for the Soul, and up it will pop. Or you can go to uh, chickensoup.podbean.com, and you will find it there also. Or you can go to our website, and you'll find mm-hmm. a, a way to get to it. But it's called the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. So however, however you get podcasts, you can get this one. And of course, it's free. Uh, it's a quick listen and very entertaining. Fantastic. Congratulations. So you're really getting into the broadcasting business now. Fantastic. I'm really yeah. excited for you. <laughs> As usual, we're towards the end of the show, and we're all excited and waiting for your wonderful recipes for living. Well, I came up with five five tips from this mm-hmm. dog book because mm-hmm. I think that since all of our listeners today are probably dog people. We might as well accept that. And we should have our tips for living based on the fact that you have a dog in your life. Okay. So here are five tips that I got from our book. One is to to be aware of the fact that your dog really can unite your family. Um, and that story that we talked about by Val <laughs> Muller about her dog making the teenager so responsible was a good example of that. Another tip is to accept the fact that your dog will end up on the furniture. And you can spend a year battling it until the you know the most vehement critic of the dog gives in, or you can just accept the fact right up front. <laughs> another, another tip is to accept the fact that your dog is a natural therapist and let your dog do that for you. Let your dog help you become a calmer, less stressed person. Let your dog bring that zen into your life, right? I and love then another it. <laughs> another tip is let your dog protect you. Like remember yeah. the story about the people with the Prius that was running in the garage. Right, like if your right. dog's trying to tell you something, accept the fact that your dog 
is trying to tell you something, and it's something right. you need to hear. And then finally, I would say accept the fact that your dog may want his own pet. So let your dog <laughs> have another dog friend or a cat friend mm-hmm. or a bunny rabbit friend or whatever <laughs> the friend is. But accept the fact that dogs like to have their own pets as well. And so let that happen because it will be okay. So those are my recipes for living for dog people. Fantastic. Those are wonderful recipes for living. Amy, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, thank you for being with us. Please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Marie Jagopoulos. She is an intuitive healer, counselor, and spiritual mentor. Marie will be launching her new series titled Healing Wisdom Hour. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.